Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. I want to jump right in. There's a song um, that I have been really listening to the last couple of months. My uncle was telling me when I was back home in Atlanta, we was driving. He said, hey, you need to listen to this song. That's, you know, y'all young folks don't like the old, old school songs. You know, it's just some anointing on them songs. I said, all right, uh, what you got? So he played me a song by the, the late Reverend Dr. Clay Evans. Um, and he's a pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church. Um, he was the, fellow, the pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church. He's, he, his church, church is actually, get my words out. His church is actually in Chicago, Illinois. He uh, was from Tennessee, though. But he was well known for his famous gospel-inspired message messages. In the middle of a sermon, the choir would start singing, and he would start singing and literally preach a message that way. And he's just a very powerful man of God. I've been listening to his sermons um, quite, quite a lot. And there's a song that he has called Reach Beyond the Break. And... That song, when I tell y'all, I'm not over-exaggerating. This is not for the sake of my sermon. That song has gotten me through. I've cried to that song. I've praised God to that song. I've been silent to that song and just sitting in God's presence like, okay, I hear you. And the thing that stood out in that particular song was he begins to tell a story about a father and a son. And the father is out, the son is out swimming, but the father can't swim. So the father is standing on the bank as he's watching his son just swim and go further out into deep waters. And all of a sudden, his son began to drown. The son began to panic. And the father began to panic because the father couldn't swim. So as he's telling his story, he's like, the father began to reach around. He began to reach to to try to figure out, okay, I can't swim, but what can I gather that I can help my son? So the father found a rope. When he found the rope, he threw the rope out to the son. And he told the son, he said, catch hope of the rope. And the young man caught the rope and the father started to pull him in. And it made me think about, especially in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 8, where I'll be picking up around verse 40, is that when Jesus responded to their faith, these people were in a sense of despair. Their hope was, was, was almost gone. They were in desperation and total need of a move of God. So when I thought about that, I said, hmm. It was like the father, Jesus, walking with Jairus and the woman with the issue. But it's like he threw them a rope. And he began to pull them in. So as I was reading the scripture, as it starts off in Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Get that y'all brought y'all Bibles with y'all to? Sunday. Oh, there's two people. Well, then. So the text reads this. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. It says, on the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came. Now, you can leave that up there. Now, I want to kind of speak to who Jairus was. Jairus was a like a dignitary. He was a very important person, right? So he had a lot of connections and resources. So I want you to imagine in the front of everybody now, because it's a crowd, everybody can see this. I want you to imagine the most prestigious office, let's say the president of the United States, flings himself at the feet of Jesus like, hey, please, can you help me? Can you help me? Like, my daughter is about to die, and I need help. 
I'm a powerful man. I got resources. I got doctors. I got everything because I'm a prestigious man. I'm I'm a man of many resources. And I'm throwing myself at the feet of this man. That's a level of desperation. Because he got to the point where it's like, I can't do anything for my daughter. But from what I'm hearing, I'm hearing the miracles that you're performing. You can. Please come to my house and save my daughter. So as a response to this desperation, Jesus is like, okay, let's go. So Jesus begins to walk with him as they are heading to Jairus' house. And... Oh, just ripped my page. It's all right. <laughs> so what happens in that moment, they begin to walk. And in the journey of Jairus walking with Jesus, I can only think in his mind, I'm not saying the text saying this, I'm inserting myself. I like to insert myself in the scripture so I can fully understand it. Like, I'm like, what would I do if I was in Jairus' position? As he's walking with Jesus, I can only imagine in his head are we going to make it in enough time? Like, I was desperate enough to trust you, but there's still a little doubt. Like, are you really going to heal my daughter? Are you really going to heal her? And not only that, as I'm looking ahead, I see this crowd of people that we got to walk through. Like, are we going to make it in enough time? Because this is urgent. Like, my child is about to die. So as they're walking, I'm sure Jairus is trusting. He's like, okay, I'm praying. Like, Lord, I see you. You know, everybody's around. And all of a sudden, you have this huge interruption. Here come this lady with the issue of blood. Putting a stop to his blessing. That he feels, I'm sure, was like, wait, this is an interference. I'm trying to get to my child, and here you are, lady. I don't know who you are, where you came from, trying to touch on Jesus to get healed. What, who are you? Man, move. You getting in the way. <laughs> this is my blessing. <laughs> this is my time. Move, lady. But Jesus doesn't ignore the lady. Jesus responds to the lady. So the interruption, as Jairus is now, his story is now on pause. So now we get to the woman with the issue of blood who's been struggling with this for 12 years She's exhausted all of her resources. She's went to every single doctor. She has got every single, she's exhausted every single avenue and resources she could possibly have. And she's gotten to the point where she is so desperate. But not only is she desperate emotionally and mentally, she too can do nothing but crawl to Jesus. She's been suffering this for 12 years, so the most that she can do is gather up enough strength to crawl to him, to crawl. She's using everything in her body to say, if I could just make it to him, if I could just get close enough to touch his robe, I will be made whole. There was a level of expectation and anticipation that she knew if I could just touch him, if I could just get close enough in proximity to touch this man, I'll be, I'll be whole. I'll, I'll be healed. And in that moment, I could imagine for her, according to the law in Leviticus, she would have not been, she shouldn't have even been outside around anybody because she was considered unclean. 
So in her desperation, not only did she say, I don't care nothing about y'all religious laws. I don't care the fact that I probably do look crazy out here. I don't care that y'all are telling me, I know this is a priest, and I know according to the law, if I touch this priest, he will then become unclean, and then he's going to have to exile himself for a certain amount of days so he can get clean. I don't care about none of that. I got to get mine. I've been dealing with this for 12 years. Ain't nothing getting in my way. And as she reaches out, she touches the father's robe. And it's always interesting to me the humanity of the disciples when you're looking at exchanges between Jesus and the disciples. Because sometimes the disciples say what we would consider, like, that was a dumb question. Why would you ask Jesus that? You've been walking with this man all this time, and y'all, y'all ask some real weird questions. So they said, so when Jesus said, someone touch me, the disciples are like, well, yeah, Jesus, we in the crowd. Of course somebody touched you. As if Jesus was not aware that people were bumping into him left and right. But when they asked the question, Jesus said, no, somebody intentionally touched me. Somebody touched me with a level of anticipation that they knew that if they were to touch me, something was going to happen in their life. It wasn't just no ordinary touch. This lady knew that if I touch, if I just touch the fringe of his robe, I'm good. So when Jesus felt that he felt virtue leave him. And it's interesting to me that in this faith journey, as believers, we can be in the presence of God. But not get what it is that we came for. There was a lot of people that bumped into Jesus. How come they didn't get their healing? Well, y'all got issues, right? Everybody in here came with an issue, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. We all came in here with some kind of issue. So how come their issues weren't fixed when they were bumping into Jesus? They were in his presence. The holies of holies. But it was her faith. It was the anticipation that brought forth the breakthrough. It wasn't just being in his presence. It's what I'm coming into your presence expecting something. I'm not leaving here without it. So Jesus, you got to respond. What would it look like if we came into the house of God or not even just the house of God when we, be, when we begin to create an atmosphere for the presence of God to come in? What would it look like if we had an expectation to say, Father, if you show up, I'm leaving with what I came for, whatever it is I'm crying out for. That is faith. That's what moves God, faith. She didn't doubt. She might have early along the way, but in that moment, she didn't have no doubt. (laughs) She knew if I could just touch him, I'd be made whole. And she received her healing and Jesus tells her, daughter, your faith is what made you whole. Your faith, your faith, not your doubt, not your anxiety, your anticipation, not the fact that you sat and you pouted because you were so upset because you've been dealing with this for 12 years and you saying you're a child of God, but you got an attitude with me because I'm not coming when you want me to come and I'm not doing how it, I'm not delivering the blessing the way you think the blessing should come. So you complain and you upset because you're like, daddy, you don't love me. No, she said, I got faith that if I can just get close enough, 
shall be made well. The reason why I'm putting emphasis on faith, because that is what pleased God. When we look throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it is what it is faith that brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. It is faith that allowed Daniel to be in the lion's den and not getting ate up by a lion. It is faith that the three Hebrew boys were able to stand in the fire and not be consumed. It's faith. Nothing else. Faith. And she gets her blessing. And again, I can imagine Jairus standing on this side. That's good, Jesus. Can you hurry up, please? Lady, that's good. All right, Jesus, come on. We got to go. My daughter needs you. She, uh, yeah, be made well. All right. Let's, let's, let's continue to go. Because sometimes in life it feels like everybody may be getting their blessing while you're still waiting on yours. Sometimes we will watch Jesus bless others and people get what they've been praying for but they got testimony They're like guess what God did for me you're like yeah it's been 15 years still waiting on mine you on year three how did you get yours at year three am I doing something wrong Lord now I'm starting to question my faith now I'm starting to question if I'm doing something wrong but God coming at his perfect timing he was teaching Jairus listen son I know you're in a rush I know you're in a hurry but guess what because I am that I am even if I get to the situation and she dead, she going to rise. I, there's no such thing as me being late. <laughs> I'm the creator of heaven and earth. But he had to teach. Jairus was, I believe Jairus was learning that as he was walking. I got to trust you. I got to understand that it may not happen at my timing. But as I'm walking, let, my, let these trials as James 1 and 4 says, let, let these trials perfect you in your faith. That you would be made stronger in your faith, lacking nothing. These trials and these tribulations come for a reason. It's not that we're doing anything wrong. It's that God wants us to be matured Christians, matured believers. That we are able to reach back and help someone else out when they're going through their season. We can say, guess what? God is with you. I've been there. I might be on year 30, but I'm going to praise him like he's doing. going to deliver me tomorrow. I might be on year five, but I'm going to praise him like he's delivering me at year six. And guess what? If he don't, I'm still going to keep praising him. I'm not going to allow my circumstances to reflect how I engage with my father. I'm going to say, listen, Lord, if it doesn't happen now, it's going to happen at your timing. So I'm going to praise and worship you as if I already got my breakthrough. And we see that with Paul and Silas. They were in prison. They had no reason to pray. Let's be real. This is why I want y'all to respond to me. If you locked up and you in prison and you know you ain't do nothing wrong, you're going to be praising God, shouting hallelujah? I know I ain't. I'm going to be like, God, what's up now? Because I ain't did nothing wrong and they done locked me up and you ain't going to like just make them drop dead. So, call up now, Father, if you love me. This is, <laughs> don't sound, you don't seem like a good dad right now. But yet when we have the proper response and we say, I don't care less about the situation. He still deserves glory. It produces a reaction. Faith is the currency of heaven. Part of the problem with this faith journey as we are believers is that we go to God. I, I look at this analogy like a bank. We're in the teller line and we go in with a check full of worry. 
I say, God, what can you do with that? I was like, I can't do nothing with that. I go with a check full of doubt. I can't do nothing with that. I go with a check full of depression and anxiety. God is like, I can't do nothing with that. Bring me some faith. And guess what? You ain't even got to have a lot of it. I just need you to have the faith of a mustard seed. That's all I need you to have. And when you deposit that, watch what happens. Watch and see, don't I move heaven and earth on your behalf? So now we continue in the story with Jairus. Jairus is walking. And right after he sees Jesus perform a great miracle, what's the first thing that he hears? Hey, bro, don't even worry about bothering the master, the teacher. Your daughter dead. She gone. She dead. Ain't even no point in y'all continuing to go to the house. After him seeing someone else receive their breakthrough, the news that he gets is that your daughter is dead. It's over. I can only imagine the angst that he felt of like, she dead because you took too long blessing this person? I didn't get my breakthrough because you was spending time on somebody else, God? Is it not enough room in the kingdom of heaven for me to get mine and theirs at the same time? What, what do we <laughs> My daughter's 12, and she's been dealing with this for 12 years. I'm sorry. <laughs> why, can't, why, why, didn't, why didn't you just make it, whatever you did happen, travel to my daughter? Why did they have to come with the news of that she's dead instead of, hey, when Jesus touched the lady, when the lady touched the hem of his garment and she got healed, your daughter got healed. Mm-mm. She's dead. But Jairus had to make the decision that in spite of this, I, as a father, I can only imagine that that was a breaking point for him. That he had to continue to walk and say, okay. He had to continue to trust and say, I'm still going to trust you, Lord. And Jesus looks at him as a loving father that he is. And Jesus tells him, don't be afraid. Just have faith and she will be healed. Not that she might be healed. Not that she possibly could be healed. He said, just have faith and she will be healed. Because Jesus, no matter what the circumstances is, whether we feel like he's late or not, if the diagnosis has been what it is, if the bank account looks like what it is, if, if the child that is going astray that you want to come, all of these different things, Jesus like, when I show up, none of that matters. None of it matters. And in that song, as... Reverend Clay Evans began to keep going on in the song. As the father was pulling the boy in, he cried out to the father. You come on up, boo. He cried out to the father. He was pulling him in. And in the song it says, as the father was pulling the boy in, the son cried out. Father, my rope is breaking. Y'all ever been there? Father, my rope is breaking. I got the rope that you gave me, but it's breaking. The father yells out to the son. Son, reach. Y'all see that, right? 
Father says, reach beyond the break and hold on. Being a believer does not stop our rope from breaking. Being a devout believer for 50, 60, 70, 80 plus years does not stop your rope from breaking. Your rope will break. Life will weather your rope. I don't care how young or old you are. Your rope will get weathered. But in those moments of life when that rope is getting weathered and you're questioning God, where are you? God, I've been faithful. God, I fasted. God, I prayed. God, I've been obedient to the best of my abilities. God, I show up on church. I give. I follow the greatest commandment. I love you and I love my neighbor. Why is my rope breaking? But when the father says, hey, I know, daughter, son, I know. But you got to reach beyond the break and hold on. Hold firmly to his unchanging hand. <laughs> Hold firmly to his unwavering word. Hold firmly and know that those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Not possibly renew, not might renew. They will renew their strength. They shall mount up. You don't have to be defeated. The father says, I know your rope is breaking. I know you're coming to the end of your rope. But I got you. That even though this rope is breaking, I have plans for you and your future. I just need you to hold on and trust me. I'm going to pull you in. I'm going to pull you in. I won't let you down. I won't let you drown. I know the waves are rising. I know life is crazy. But in the midst of the storm, I got you. When the disciples was out on the water, in the, in the, you can drop it, thank you, book. When the disciples were out on the water and the, ra- the, the, the waves began to rise, Jesus asked them, he said, where's your faith? Only if you knew that your faith could calm this storm. And I know there are those of you that sit in the room that says, okay, I can hope that God is going to deliver and God is going to answer his promise. But then there's some of you that says the loved one did die. There was no resurrection. What do I do with that? As I was prepping for my message, I got a lot going on right now. I'm getting married in August planning for a wedding thank you I'm, I'm, I'm planning that you know so that's you know planning that that's stressful within itself but I gotta trust God but as I was planning I remember that on March 2nd was the one year anniversary of my grandfather's death he died last year and then I lost my grandmother this past December and I remember I preach um, I eulogized all of them I have one left now eulogize all three and I preached from this passage at his funeral. One of his favorite songs was by an artist named Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke had a song, of, I could touch the hem of his garment. And as I was kind of thinking, as I'm prepping for this message, I'm like, yeah, God, but you know, we prayed for my granddaddy. He had a stroke uh, in 98, 99. It 
took his speech from him. He had massive heart attacks and all of that. So he was just ailed in his body. Couldn't talk, couldn't walk. My grandmother was a caregiver from 98 all the way up until 2022 last year. And we would pray. I come from a praying family. Grandmama would pray. Her sisters would come. The pastors would come and pray for him. We just knew like granddaddy going to talk again. He's going to talk again. He's going to get his speech back. But when he died, granddaddy didn't say nothing. I actually laid, I actually was in the room. First time I've ever experienced this. I was in the room with him when he took his last breath. I was holding this hand. He gripped my hand tight. Eyes got big and that was it. And I said, you know, God, I wish my grandmother could have experienced the fullness of his healing. She toiled and she was a caregiver for him for pretty much almost 30 years. And I know she prayed. I know there were many nights she laid next to her husband. She wouldn't put him in a home. She said, he ain't going to no home. I can imagine that I know she prayed. I know she said, well, God, can you just let them whisper something to me at night? The grandkids and the kids ain't even got to be here. She didn't get that. But at his funeral, I was reminded as, as I was eulogizing him, sometimes the blessing of God does not look like how we think it should look. Sometimes what we think and what we have created in our minds and our little perfect worlds, we're like, God, is neat. it needs to look like this. And if it doesn't look like that, you're not a good God. If it doesn't look like that, you don't love me. Is it? If it doesn't look like that, you're not real. So I question everything. But God had to remind me that to die with Christ is gain that my grandfather received his healing. He just received it on the other side. Where he got a new body. Where there's no more pain. There's no more hurt. There's no more sorrow. And we have to be careful that in those fragile times in our lives that we don't look at it and we get so hard set on what we think it should be. But we accept the fact what God is doing that we remind ourselves he's a loving father that if this is the ending there it gotta be something better if this is the will that you have I know there's something better because you love me you you died for me you sent your son down here to die for me while I was yet messed up while I was yet still acting a fool while I was yet couldn't get it right and I knew I should have got it right you still died for me that's a different kind of love. So I have to know and trust that regardless of what my circumstances look like, that you're a great father, you're a good father. And I will rejoice no matter what storms come my way. Because if faith is the currency of heaven, that means that when I rejoice and I praise you, it something happens, something breaks, something shifts. When I don't look at, when I look at my circumstances and I say, so be it, God, I love you. God, I'm going to trust you. That something is happening. Something is happening in the atmosphere. Something is shifting. We can't just stop there because sometimes we think it's supposed to happen quick. No, you got to push on through. God, I'm going to keep trusting you. I know what I just heard. I don't like it, but Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for what I do have. Lord, I thank you that I'm not too far gone. Lord, this bad situation happened, but Father, it could have been worse. So Father, I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to find something to be thankful for in spite of all that I'm going through. 
I'm going to hold on to my faith. There's a song by Commission, a gospel group that I love. And the lyrics are, until my change come, this is what I'll do. I'm going to renew my strength, keep holding on, and I'm going to wait on you. Sometimes the blessing is in the waiting. Sometimes the blessing is in the lesson that you learn. So if my assignment today, preaching the gospel, was anything, I want to encourage you that no matter what your circumstances look like, don't lose your faith. Don't allow the enemy to fill your mind with you did something wrong or that he doesn't love you or you you, should have did this or you should have did that. That is a lie from hell. There's no truth in that. Remind yourself of the love of the Father. You will make it through. You will get on the other side. So as I close, what I want to do, I want to create a space for prayer. Some of you came in here today, and you're right here. It's like I'm at the last few threads of, I'm at the last few. Some of you might be already on the other side. You've, you might have already reached beyond the breaking. You hold it on. So you came in here encouraged today. You came in here saying, yeah, I was there, but God, I'm trusting. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're here, I want to create a space. We're going to have a prayer team down here. I'm going to be down here. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you on the Lord. We want to pray for your strength. We want to intercede for you because of the word of God says, wherever there's two or three more gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. That means I'm expecting breakthrough. I'm expecting healing. Not the way I think it should look, but the way the Father wants me to see it. So if that's you and you're right here, I want you to come down for prayer. Prayer team, you go ahead and get up. If that's not you, if you feel led to pray for somebody, pray for them, intercede for them, encourage them. Let them know, hey, I've been where you are, but God is going to see you through this. Be encouraged. Trust in the Lord. He's a good, good father. And if that's you, come on down. If not, like I said, you can pray with someone or you can quietly exit. But I'm believing God for some breakthrough today. I want people to witness the power of God in their lives in a way they've never witnessed it before. That's my hope for the body of Christ. For the Bible said is the kingdom of heaven is in power and demonstration. Not clinking brass, saying a whole bunch of stuff. Amen.